You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to the Shutdown Fullcast. Oh, oh, oh my. Oh my. Oh my. We, uh, we have a lot of things uh, to review here, by the way. Like, a ton of a ton of things happened in college football. Now, that's usually true. Um, but I think this is the kind of week we'll look back and go, you know, that thing that we uh, thought for the rest of the season, it started this week. This is, this is, I think, at the point where you actually begin to, in week three, see what we call a robust data set. When you start to sort of see, oh, after three games, this is what this team is. Well, I think we have hit the point where every team is bad because you can look and see like, oh, that team looked pretty good. Yeah, well, they look bad against this other team in week one. And, or, you know, oh, you, you know, uh, Texas looked pretty good. Oh, yeah, well, they lost to Maryland. So therefore, Maryland is bad now. Let's test that. Toss out, a, toss out a team. Toss out a team. So Bama was not blowing away Colorado State at the half. And uh, mm-hmm. I don't think they covered um Clemson okay they didn't look you know they didn't blow away Auburn and then Auburn kind of goofed around with Mercer for a while you know mm-hmm. yep. um Oklahoma yeah okay Oklahoma no no complaints with Oklahoma um Penn State Penn State you didn't Penn State you didn't beat uh Ac- Pit nearly as bad as Oklahoma State did. Therefore, Penn State, you're a fraud. Terrible. Uh, USC, your your best wins over Stanford. Stanford just lost to, a, lost to a Mountain West team, and on and on and on and on. At this point, right. every team except Oklahoma is bad. Huh. Hold on. What about Wake Forest? Every team except Wake Forest is bad. Wake Forest and Oklahoma. There's your national championship. Well, who? Let's see. Wake Forest has played. Um, off the top of my head, it's Presbyterian. Utah State. Handled Utah. Presbyterian. 
the Blue 50, Hose. 51 Utah 7. State. Beat Boston College by 24. Beat okay. Utah State by 36. Yeah. The Demon well, Deans are uh, just cruising, my dude. <laughs> in um, Bill C's SP Plus rankings this week, he also included a subset of what would the rankings look like if all preseason projections were dropped out. Um, and it was, let me pull it up real quick. It's a horrifying array of teams. Yeah, it's like if you based it on if you based your if the season ended right now playoff on literally nothing but what teams have accomplished. Okay, yeah. your number one seed would be Mississippi State. Yeah, uh, Penn State and Oklahoma State, Washington, Washington. Wait, Despite, why? Well, yeah, that I, I don't get that. Can, hang on, hang on. <laughs> you can look at who they played, then who those teams have played, and all that. You can math it out. Okay. Uh, number five, your Wake Forest Demon Deacons. Okay. You know what? Favorite, I put Wake Forest in over Washington six. at this point. My favorite is number six, Miami, which whooped Bethune Cookman. <laughs> and that's it. Evidently um, made that a, quite a quality win. Relatively. Bethune, but Bethune Cookman is incredible. <laughs> and then at, at number eight, uh, the only good team, Oklahoma. So, yeah, at this point, there are exactly uh, exactly eight good teams. Well, let's, uh, so we, let's, can we go through this? Can we hold ourselves a little bit accountable here? Because some of these games we had predictions on. Some of these games and, we had and, thoughts and, and on. And damn, damn good ones at that. Some of them, what do you think was our good prediction? I think Memphis was a good one, except yeah. for this. I said they didn't have anyone who could trade, who could, uh, who could stretch the field. Do you, do you happen to have the stats for that game open? Because I enjoy, I enjoy a good mea culpa. I enjoy a good, you know, um, we were incorrect in that. Now, I will say this. This was based on, like, hard stats prior to that. Memphis had, like, one of the lowest, like, like they had some of the fewest explosive plays. Yeah, and, but and, but but we fucked that up because Memphis had only played one game, and it came in, like, a tropical storm. So, yeah. so maybe maybe we weren't reading context on that. Uh, yeah, when I said they, they, they didn't have anybody who could uh, stretch the field— yeah, let me read you the averages of Memphis's receivers. Uh, Anthony Miller had nine receptions for 185 yards and averaged 20.6 yards per catch. They had, they had a guy go for one for 47, one for 42. Memphis, I'm sorry. We were right in saying that it'd be a fight. We were wrong in saying how you'd fight it. Y- Darryl, y'all y'all Darryl, showed out, whooped up on him. Daryl Henderson got 105 yards on 14 carries. Most of them came on an 80-yard carry. So, yeah. So, um, I mean, I think the thing is we're not going to get the tactics right. We will get, we will get the overall mm, vibe right. We, we, we might not get the actual result, but we will predict how you're going to feel about what's about to happen. So, like, you know, months and months and months ago, we told you, UCLA, don't do this. Don't do this. Bad idea. We don't need to know if you're a better team and all that. We just need to, you know, we're, we we can just tell you. We can spot a bad idea. I'll put it like that. We're yeah. one of the other doctors on house where we're like, well, I, I knew something was wrong. It's like, yeah, but you didn't really. Yeah, it doesn't matter. I'm handsome. I'm so handsome. <laughs> that's that's exactly that. Perfect. Got I got that Paul got that Paul Manafort defense. Not guilty. Why? Too handsome. Sorry. Um, we were. Also right about, you know what? I'm going to say we were right about Boston College Notre Dame because Notre Dame needed 49 points to win this game. Technically, yes, they won it by 29 points, but could Boston College have 
have scored 50? They scored 20, so yes. They didn't run out of points. They just ran out of time. You know what? BC put up 400 yards of offense against Notre Dame. In my book, that's adjusting for Boston College deflation. Boston College scored 50 points and won this game 50-49. A thriller that got Brian Kelly fired. Wow. Reporting. Reporting live right here. Actual reporting. I will say that that I I would like to – it's not often that I go, you know – the person I should quote here as an expert is myself. But this is an extremely stupid situation. So what I would like to do is tell you exactly what I wrote about the Tennessee-Florida game on Friday, which is this. This game will be like watching two pigeons fight over a half-eaten chicken wing. No one respects the pigeons to begin with because they are pigeons. Both are poorly armed and equipped for the fight because, again, are pigeons. As an SEC East rivalry, the entire exercise is an exercise in cannibalism. As a fight over position and the blighted SEC East, it is a futile fight with very little meat on the bone to be won. Bystanders will be mildly horrified, only mildly, because this game doesn't have the gravity to merit full horror. That leaves you with the option of farce, right? Did we get a farce in Tennessee, Florida? Oh, oh yeah. We got the farcinist. The richest and farcinous thing imaginable. Yes, the game the game was good, and there's nothing to complain about. We we can just we can just say the game was very good because the game, the game because was... the the last part was very good, and let's just let's just focus on that. Well, the statement we were asked to evaluate for this game, somebody suggested that Florida was going to outgain Tennessee and lose, and the flip happened. Tennessee outgained Florida by 62 yards and lost. So. If you're if you're keeping track at home, Tennessee in Power Five play is one and zero when they get outgained, and zero and one when they outgain. So I think the answer is just start kneeling, and and I mean that's literally the name that's of the stadium. Insane. That's the name of the stadium. If it was written right there the whole time, the answers are right in front of you. Can I just go over the the number of like? Why? Tennessee and Tennessee and Florida. No, I want to go over this. Yeah. Okay. Because I I'm, I rag on Gary Danielson a lot. Yeah. For being cantankerous and complaining too much, he was perfect in Tennessee, Florida, because all he did was wonder why these men pick up paychecks. That was all he did the entire game, was point out how badly coached both teams were, and he was wrong about none of it. Absolutely none. I think in the first quarter he dropped that this was the that Florida had gone from fun and gun to three and done. That was in the Damn. first quarter. Damn. Yeah, yeah. He was pointing out like how wide receivers are being coached to run routes poorly and how bad the blocking schemes were and the execution was. This is just on Florida. It, this is like he was pointing out all of this and roasting Florida, and Tennessee was on the same field. Like he had to space out. I know he did. He had to sit there and go, man, there's a lot on this plate. I'm going to have to. I'm going to need all four quarters to work through this. It's a big meal, but I think I can get through it. A hater like me, I got, I got, I have an hour of football time to fill and four hours of broadcast. Let's go. So I actually, I want to come to Butch Jones's defense here because the last <laughs> play, hold on, let me finish. Richard Johnson, our, co- our beloved colleague and a fellow Florida alum, wrote about the last play of the game and exactly what Tennessee did, which is to say, not really cover. But I want you to think of it this way. Let's say Butch calls 
you know, prevent. Everybody just sit deep and knock the ball down. And this game goes to overtime. And let's say Florida wins it there in some boring fashion. You know, Tennessee misses a field goal, blah, 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 blah. Then we would be talking about what we should be talking about in this game, which is what the fuck was Tennessee doing when they had the ball close to the goal? Oh, I, like oh, we got we got seven snaps. And who's the best? Who's the best player on the field for Tennessee? And anyone watching, including CC Jefferson, who after the game uh, insisted on saying, "Hey, listen, good job, Tennessee." But you got to know that number four is a beast. Number four being John Kelly. That God, it's it's probably the guy who got twenty five touches, nineteen of them carries, and uh, racked up. Oh, I don't know, like two hundred and thirty seven yards of offense by his damn self. The best player on the field for either team, arguably. When you looked at them and how they were playing, and when you got into the red zone, how many carries? Uh, did did John Kelly see how how many carries did anybody see? I believe we had seven. I believe we had seven straight passes. Just from a first year starter in the red zone. It's you you. I, if you didn't watch this game, go back and look at some of the. Like I'm gonna read the play by play here. This is from early in the uh, early in the third quarter. First and goal, Tennessee at the Florida one. Quentin Dormady, pass incomplete. Florida penalty, unsportsmanlike conduct. Puts the ball back at the one. You get a do-over. Okay, first and goal at the Florida one. Classic, classic Florida football now, right there. Now, now here we get a false start. So we don't know. Maybe that was going to be a run. We can't prove it. It never happened. First and goal at the five now. Pass incomplete. Second and goal. Pass complete to... John Kelly for a loss of one yard. Yep. Third and goal at the six. The score at this point is three to six. Quentin Dormady pass intercepted at the one yard line. I just. And it ha- and then it happened again. It happened basically again, not at the one, but at the nine. And they had to kick up. The- I just. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's. <laughs> do you, do you not and like- in all that, you had three missed field goals. Is this th- if this thing had gone to overtime, like, uh, yeah, it, could Tennessee have scored at all? <laughs> like ever? Yes, yes. If they had lost yardage and kicked long field goals, okay. Yeah, or or let John Kelly run for thirty eight yards after losing a bunch. Yeah, back it up, back it up far enough outside. Back it up outside of the pass zone into the run zone, and then General General Nealon, it's right there. He's so fast; he needs all that time to slow down. He needs all that all that twenty yards of cushion. I mean, I, I feel a little. I don't really feel that bad for Tennessee because they were coached very stupidly. I feel bad for the players because I felt like they were, you know. And you try not to do this because this is like you know the first when you watch when you watch a team and you watch them play badly that your temptation is to go, oh, man, this, these coaches suck. And sometimes that's the case, right? It's ultimately the case in terms of responsibility. But you try to be a little more careful about saying, like, oh, yeah, these people are very bad at their jobs, right? Because you don't know. You know, I've never – none of the people on this podcast have ever coached football professionally, correct? I'm, I'm not – like, I've seen your resumes. Yeah, that is true. Okay. With that, none of us have ever done it. However, 
it's really obvious when you see people who have done it start pointing in and going, yeah, you know, I'm I'm going to be real, like, I'm going to defer to expertise and to my peers, but these people suck at it. Like, the things they've done don't make sense under any framework. And I could get it. Like, this is one of those things where you're watching it and you're like, I, if you want to get rid of Butch Jones, if you just want to, like, cap this and start over, y'all, I'm fine with it. I'm fine. <laughs> like, no one, no one would begrudge you that. No he, one. He might be, too. Yeah. He, I mean, it, it, it can't be fun. I know those people. I grew up with them. They're not happy about anything. Like, I kind of hope he just shows up for the, his next, like, his Monday press conference in, like, a hemp shirt and with some beaded hair. And it's just like, yeah, man, I'm, <laughs> I'm making some changes. I think, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, start now. Pack a farm. Oh, this football thing's done for me. I'm really just finding, finding uh, my connection to the earth. I'm going to be barefoot all the time now. I love y'all. And just walks away. That'd be fine. I'd, I'd be happy for him. He doesn't seem very happy right now. Because you know what? Alpacas can't throw the ball on first and goal. They can't. All they, they can do run. is run. They got to run it. I mean, you know what? That might have scored. You know what Tennessee didn't do on any of those possessions? Oh, my God. Score. Mississippi State, what has gotten into you? You look part good. Of- you look great. You lost a bunch of weight. You're wearing new clothes. Yeah, B. I mean... Pants, pants looking right, shirt looking pants right, looking butt looking great, swole but cut. Yeah, you know like, what happened? Damn those overalls. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> those over. Have I told you how trim you're looking up on that bobcat? <laughs> it's unreal. Yeah, I don't. Man, they um, what got into them is this. Um, they uh, they now beat LSU, and it's not weird. Remember what used to be weird? Sure. That, that, that they would beat LSU? You'd be like, oh, man, that's stunning. Can't imagine that. Like, 2013, 14, that's, that's weird that you're beating LSU. 2017, you're like, no, nah, man, you whipped their ass, and I'm not even that shocked. This feels, this feels like the game that we're going to get to the end of the season, and we're going to say, LSU is 12 and Mississippi State was unranked? What? Like this is this is I think the best case study of the week for preseason rankings are a total waste of time because LSU is what two and zero on the strength of beating a BYU team that seems very much done, oh, and, Ch- yeah. and and Chattanooga and Mississippi State was unranked, and you know for for fair reason in that they hadn't like I mean they beat Louisiana Tech and did force third and ni- third and goal from the other team seven. Um, let us never forget third and ninety three, but man, this this just this wasn't close. This wasn't close at all. No, not one bit. And to to further that point, Nick Fitzgerald, aka only recruited by UT Chattanooga, Stan Mullen is fond of saying, and Nick Fitzgerald, if if you give um, that that offense a running back and a quarterback who can both move the ball out of the backfield. Everything else falls in line. They pushed LSU around bad in this game. So the Bulldogs punted on their first two possessions. And after that, eight plays, touchdown, 10 plays, field goal, 10 plays, touchdown, seven plays, field goal, six plays, touchdown, five plays, field goal, six plays, touchdown, and then they punted again. 
Yeah. So they went they went from you know, four minutes left in the first quarter, their second punt. They didn't punt again until there were less than two minutes left in the game. There are no turnovers here that I am forgetting. There's just scoring. There's just marching methodically down the field against an LSU defense that we thought was supposed to be still pretty solid. They did not look like that last uh, on Saturday. Not even slightly. No, sir. They got run. They got runt, runt over. That's not a run over. They got runt over. And and there's also like you know the, the whole big, the whole big thing for the offseason was going to be that uh, LSU had hired Matt Canada and now they had an offense, right? Like oh man, they got an offense now. Imagine, imagine Ed, Ed Ed's got this thing figured out. Well, you know, a um, little bit of spackle doesn't fix everything structurally. It's this is this is something else that people found out. Clearly, you never had an apartment in Gainesville, sir. That's <laughs> this whole this whole apartment's made of spackle. <laughs> whole building's just floor to wall to foundation spackling. Yeah, I don't. Um, this was this is very similar to Tom Herman's comments echoing that he could not come in and just sprinkle pixie dust over everything and end up with a completely new football program. That's. That's, that's very much the case with with LSU's offense because remember Danny Etling like last year and you know you throw for like a hundred yards you'd be like man that, that LSU offense sucks um, yeah you know what he threw for he threw for one thirty seven and average Woo-hoo! about four point seven yeah this looked a lot like last year and it's 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 this just takes time it takes time and that is so that is so very hard to tell a fan. That this is going to take time because basically, um, you you've got all the same parts. You got a you got a pretty good run attack, and you got a bunch of um, you got a bunch of receivers, and a quarterback who really this is about what they are, man. There's there's not a lot of magic to be had. I mostly like that Ed Orgeron is now on the verge of becoming the Frosty the Snowman of coaches. Where he puts on his magic hat. Where oh, we're gonna have a good time out in the snow. Oh, we gotta throw the snowball. We gotta hit a police car. They gonna be so mad. <laughs> oh, they can't do nothing though because snowman he ain't he ain't under their jurisdiction. Snowman answers to no law. Kills everybody he wants to. And but <laughs> Frosty doesn't get to play. Like Frosty's not like a four month thing. It's just like all right, hats off. Time to go. Who's next? <laughs> yeah. And and like it's gonna and there's the temptation. Like I think people have only certain they, tracks they get they, their brain into, right? Oh my god, they like, can't. They can't. I feel like I know what you're gonna say, but they can't do this. Well, like the, now they'll be like, oh man, we we gave the wrong guy the job, right? They'll they'll think that they'll be like, oh, we we gave the wrong guy the job. Like it's not up to it. And the truth is probably somewhere in, like like in between that you're like, oh well, you know he. This is pretty much. This looks like last year's team, right? This looks like every other LSU team, and it's going to take time to change how they behave and how they function and and how they look just because of who they have on the roster in terms of personnel, right? Like you still have a a, a Purdue transfer quarterback, right? Uh, and that's not cool yet, in my opinion. It will be in like two years. If you get that guy, you'd be like, he doesn't throw the ball further than thirty yards down the field because Jeff Brom's metal as hell. No, no, no. This is this is the battle of Purdue, right? Nothing changes too much. So the, the truth is probably somewhere in between, right? Every, everyone at LSU is probably like real queasy in terms of how they feel about an emotional decision that the program might have made in appointing a very likable interim as, on a permanent basis. 
Um, I don't know. I'm calling and, give, and giving him a very significant buyout. Um, Jason, do you want do you want to talk about Texas or Purdue next? And I I realize what that sounds like. <laughs> well, um, both programs are about equal in quality as far as football. <laughs> Production and performance goes. Pur- Purdue's record is better. We must admit. Purdue's True. record is better. Um, let's go with the team that did not lose to Maryland yet. <laughs> fair. It's fair. Missouri. You okay? You okay, fellas? You don't have to answer that question because. When I see Drew Locke, 12 of 28 for 133 yards and two interceptions, the hmm. answer is already clear. I mean, this just kept, I don't know if you guys do this, but sometimes you sort of treat the scoreboard like, you know, you know, like a CAT scan. You're like, oh, that, that, that tumor seems to be under control. Oh, that, man, that, one's, that one's really getting out of hand, isn't it? Oh, good God. Yeah, close the door on that. That, that, one's, that one's done. That that's kind of the way this score kept going. You're like, well, I don't know, maybe Missouri will get no, no, that's stage four, they're done, and that's by the way, that's the verdict of people who are much smarter about football than I am, much smarter. For instance, D- Bill Connolly, a Mizzou grad and fan, who titled his post about this game, "This is what giving up looks like." The last Power Five school that didn't score at least six points against Purdue. Mm-hmm. You'll you won't guess it, and so I'm not going to make you try. Was Illinois in 2005? Five. Illinois Ooh. in I believe Ron Zook's. For, yeah, that's Ron Zook's first year. An Illinois team that wound up going two and nine, and that was back when Purdue was like a solid, you know, not like an amazing team, but a team that was constantly flirting with bowl eligibility, which they will be again this year. To be fair. Um. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my God, this yeah, is just this. This is this is probably one of the worst results that I can like. We all joked about Indiana winning the SEC East. This is worse than that. This is so oh, much yeah. worse than that. I mean, and it's not just okay. You gave up thirty-five points to a creative offensive coaching staff. That is technically a Power 5 program and all that. Okay, these things happen. And also you're Mizzou, so these things happen to you frequently. It's the three. That's the scary part. Because the one thing Mizzou is supposed to be good at is putting up lots of points. And you didn't put up any. Yeah, and in addition to that, according to people I know, full disclosure, I have not watched the tape of this game. But according to people who did, uh, Purdue didn't have to pull out much in order to win this particular bar bet. We're going to put it in Milton Berle terms. They, they they ran some real basic stuff. They didn't even put a whole lot on tape for everyone else. They didn't need, in other words, they didn't need to get past the bread and butter, okay, to, to put Mizzou in this particular sandwich. That's, yeah, this is just... Woo! Yeah, I mean, we might be looking, Mizzou, Mizzou's done, right? They are done, done, done. I want to talk. Can we can we talk about by the way, just generally teams that you go? Yeah, I think they're done because because there are a few of them out here when you go. Um, I might feel that way about Stanford at this point. Stanford, yeah, unless they're playing in the Southern Hemisphere. Nah, they always start slow. Big Big Bear always lumbers awake around November. It's. I mean, 
They threw for 80 yards against San Diego State. And San Diego State has had good defenses. and Yeah, it was you know, dark outside. That, that was, that's a good point. <laughs> it was dark in case you missed it. The lights went out at Qualcomm. Just the lights. They just turned off. And they needed a good 15 minutes to get them all back on. I hope that was the city of San Diego intentionally turning like, like hey, we told you we don't want this. <laughs> like, okay? We don't like football. We told <laughs> you we were over it. Football permit ends at nine local. <laughs> yeah. Philip Rivers didn't, hasn't paid the bill for months. <laughs> I got to feed 28 kids. How do you expect me to feed them? How do you expect me to pay this line bill? All right. All right. All right. So maybe not Stanford. Can I interest you in Nebraska? Yeah. So Nebraska lost to Northern Illinois. They're done. I don't really when, – when you lose to NIU and you lose the way they did, because I did watch this game, and sir, sir, this is it's, – it's bad. It's very, very, very bad to lose a game the way they did. Tanner Lee throwing two six picks. Uh Otherwise, did you say two six picks? I did. I'm very tired. Um, yes, he threw two six. If they were that bad, they were six picks. Now let's see. Let's parse this out. What would a six pick be? It'd be a pick. I mean, six. it sounds. Oh no! It's that, a game. It's a game where you throw six interceptions. Yeah. Okay, that happens sometimes. Yeah. yeah. That would happen. That might happen to this Nebraska team. I'm telling you, that's how. That's how bad this is right now. I mean, them. they th- they threw three. Yeah. I did throw three. Um, so the weird thing, so w- since Mike Riley got to Nebraska in 2015, the Huskers through this last weekend have had 16 games that were decided by one score or less on either side. They're seven and nine in those games, but just the sheer number, they are tied with Pitt and Utah for the most one score games in all of college football across that stretch. Like all the cardiac teams that you think are, you know, you say Iowa, Iowa can't play. Like I was not going to play a ton of games. Nope. 13 games for Iowa. What about Georgia? Not there at 15. Boston college. They play terrible. 12, 16 games where it's just, it's just a goddamn coin flip. And Mike Riley's just like, well, you need that quarter more than I do friend. Here you are. Have it. Charity. Yeah, this is in terms of developing a quarterback. Um, that didn't happen. Big, big time. Um, and in terms of winning a close game, no, no, that didn't happen either. Uh, did you lose this game at home? You weren't in DeKalb, by the way. This was in Lincoln. So you, you lost that. There's nothing good here. And now you have a transitive loss to Boston College. Oh, damn. We didn't even get to October. It's, it's not. This is not that good of a of an NIU team. They're not terrible, but this is not like those teams we were looking at. I don't know what six seven years ago. It's not yeah. that. It's not that. No, we're, and they we're didn't talking... even. They didn't even need any goddamn yardage to do it. I mean, that's that's the what I think is the saddest thing about this is that for I don't know. It feels like three years now, maybe four. We've. Just been saying, Nebraska's defense used to be this vaunted thing, the black shirts, blah, 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 and they just never showed up. And this was the game where they actually did. The defense played great, and the offense just screwed them. Just screwed them royally. Yeah, this is, um, 
I have nothing but negatives to say. <laughs> I feel like the lesson of 2017 Nebraska is don't talk yourself into a player as your program savior unless there is um, a body of work, whether it's, I mean, even if it's a five-star recruit rating, that's something. Like, a lot was placed on Tanner Lee, who was just a two-lane quarterback transferring to Nebraska. You know, not a star two-lane quarterback, didn't even, you know, just nothing special. And, and, and some Nebraska fans really built this kid up. Like, you know, he, he's going to solve everything. And it, it, that might sound revisionist at this point, but you can go back and look, and you can find it. Uh, and don't do that, man. Like, I mean, if, you, if your team isn't going to be good, you just got to embrace that. <laughs> okay, you know. but but what if you had, I don't know, like a Heisman-level quarterback? And you didn't. You had some other problems. You didn't have, like, your defense was a little iffy, and your receivers had the case of the drops. And you didn't really have, like a real consistent rushing attack aside, aside from this quarterback. Like, let's say you had that. And let's say, I don't know, you played Clemson. Mm-hmm. How, what about them? No. Shit. Yeah. Oh, can I give you another team that's just done, done, done? We talked about them. Um, how's this? Not done, 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 but definitely a team where you go, yeah, I know. I'm I'm pretty sure that I know their ceiling, even though they have a player who might be best described as um, a deity, a man god walking among us. That's Louisville, because um, guess what you could do, Louisville? You you can beat up on him. You can beat up on him bad because chances are, if you're a major team, you're better along the lines than they are. Both times Louisville has played Clemson, it's like the worst possible matchup. For Louisville, you want to know why Clemson's front seven and their front five, defensively and offensively, respectively, uh, they're way better than Louisville. And if we're to talk about this, like I know, boy, we get to say bad things about Bobby Petrino. Hmm? Done a real good job. It's been so hard before this. So <laughs> it's been so hard. I know the level of difficulty on this is just immense. But Louisville's just not that good. Where other teams, like other much better teams, are. I.e. in the trenches, i.e. Um, where you go to move ass and clear space for all of those beautiful skill players you get. And trenches on both sides. Like Clemson last year as a team on the season did not have much of a running game at all. And this year, what they put, what they run for on Louisville? Was it like 290 yards? Mm, almost 300, yeah. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Clemson in 2016, you know, let's see. What was their highest running total as a team? in 2016 because i'm pretty sure it was nowhere near 291 mm-hmm. this is good radio that's the problem for louisville this year is that la- you can go through last year's games and you can say like there are games where the defense either blew it wide open for them the florida state game where they held florida state below 300 total yards um or games where the defense kind of had to not bail them out but sort of they were the saving grace. Like, the Duke game, they only won that game 24-14. And, and that defense last year, on a yards-per-play basis, eighth in the nation at the end of the season. Do you know where they are as of today? I have no idea. 108th. 
Yep. They are they are one spot above their right now spiritual compatriots, the UCLA Bruins, because it's the it's the almost exact same thing. UCLA has a transcendent quarterback who is not afraid of almost anything, sometimes to his detriment, who is an immense amount of fun to watch, who just makes plays when plays should not even be able to be made. And it won't matter because the defense is non is a theoretical construct. Yep. And, and and that's sort of what makes me hesitate of like, well, I don't know what this means for Clemson. Because this was not like a great defense that they beat up on. You know, nope. it, it, it will be... But I also look down the schedule and it's like, I don't know where those huge tests are. It's not Syracuse. Wake Forest! It might, you know what? It might be Virginia Tech and Wake. It's not Boston College. Boston College, I mean, yes, technically you won that game 50-49 again. Um, they got run all over too, so I can't see how Clemson's not going to do the exact same thing. South Carolina. <sighs> South Carolina, I believed in you. What the shit? Why did I bother? 23-13, the most Will, Will Muschamp score to lose by. No, wait, 23-9 would be the most Will Muschamp score to lose by. Yeah, well, you know, you know exactly how those 10 points felt. Those 10 points felt like 800 points, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, we, like, you might as well have just, you're like, oh, look, we're down 10. We're never going to get. We're never going to get three. All of the South Carolina fans that I was following who watched this game, the sorrow, the sorrow was actually affecting. <laughs> like, it wasn't like, ah, ha, ha, welcome to the boat. I was like, no, 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 this feels like your souls are being crushed. Let's let's talk about a happier, let's talk about Texas USC. Have you, how much time have either of you spent at a casino in your mm. life? Just, no, a, just relatively. A, Substantial amount. Jason? Well, like all total? Yeah. Uh, enough, I guess. Have you have you ever watched someone gamble? And I do mean gamble, not just like sit down and like I'm gonna play some I'm gonna play some three card poker or whatever. Have you seen someone just gambling enormous amounts of money and just watched it from that detached perspective? Oh sure. That's that's the best part. That that is what this game was to me. This is this was watching somebody play thousand dollar hands of blackjack, or putting five hundred dollars down at a time at the roulette table, and just being like, "Yeah, who knows? It's either going to be one or the other. I'm either going to make a lot of money or lose a lot of money. It's fun. This is fun, right?" I was going to say, I was like, I hope you were asking, like, who did you watch? I'm like, my dad. Yeah, I, I there's there's this thing when you were watching this game, like like Texas was just trying to find because I I was in the Coliseum. By the way, little little miniature review of the Coliseum here, a really great experience. Like I'm I'm actually like I'm super. I was pro the. I had no idea what to expect in terms of the game experience. USC, that's a fun time. It's not bad at all. I, I think I was sort of expecting. I don't know. Vanderbilt with a tan, but no, it was magnificent. That place is in its, they have a very old stadium that being rich people, they will never replace or even paint because the, the red paint on the outside is, uh, it's flaking. 
Well, and that's why that's why NFL fans don't go because it's not nice enough, not ritzy enough. <laughs> that's right. They have their own. Um, they have their own like like their their whole setup for the band. The band has like their own temple in one end zone that they just get to sit there, and they really do only play like you know three songs, and that's fine. I don't know why it works. Like it, it should be the lamest thing ever. When you go, oh man, these guys only have three songs. No, they kind of work. It's hypnotic. Well, it, it seems appropriate that it's called the Coliseum because you're like, yep, amenities are about what you, yep, mm-hmm, sure. There's a tiger. You want to pet it? It's mean. <laughs> you guys list hot water as an amenity. Yeah, sure. That's because uh, we put fire under the cauldron. That's how it works. That's actually that's it's a it's actually a utility. That's not just for show. That heats all of the water in the stadium. Also, there's some very old California advertising going on there. It's the only stadium I've seen where on one wall they have a clock, you know, with, you know, actual hands and dials on the stone. And then on the right, they have a thermometer, this, right, that displays like, it's like a dial, is, you know, it's like 70 degrees. And I know exactly what that's for. It's like a bank. Basically, it is. Well, it's like a bank. It's also advertising so that on TV, right, when everybody else is either freezing or sweltering, we're like, oh, I don't know, man. We're just here in Southern California having way better time than you are. Just here in 72 degrees. It's cool. On top of a fault line when everything's on fire. But other than that, man, it's totally great. But yeah, Texas was like, Texas spent the, this entire time just praying and hoping and to find anything that would work at any point. And they really, they dug deep. They maxed out every single like every single bit of luck and karma they possibly had. And then Sam Darnold with about two minutes left in the game was like, Oh man, I gotta win this. Okay, cool. <laughs> like Texas, it's very hard to tell people from Texas to be positive because like Florida fans or like anybody else who's had success, uh, they they're they're very spoiled, so they don't understand relatively where they are on the curve, right? There are no rebuilding years at Texas. Oh, well, let's let's introduce you to one because that's this year. But, yeah, this is the, you had a freshman on the road who led them to a tie late, got an OT, and then did what freshmen do, which is, you know, get stripped or commit some other sort of relatively minor oversight that has major sort of effects on how the game is going to pan out. Yeah, this is all this all feels right. This all feels like. Exactly where you should be. Actually, it always, it always sucks when those errors are like, oh, you tried too much. You should have tried just like 10% less. Yeah, when you don't actually, when everything you've been taught actually works against you. When they're like, yeah, you got to try for that extra yard as opposed to, kid, get down. <laughs> just, just, you got to understand, there's, there's a lot of big people. They're very mean out here. Um, they they want to kick your ass. You you need to just chill and and live another down. It's a hard thing to teach somebody, especially when they're like 19. They're like, I got more in the tank. We know. That's never the problem here. <laughs> never. I, I can stay awake for days. We know, kid. We know. Without the use of speed. Don't Ooh. bother. Don't bother. Ole Miss isn't going to look that good. Yeah. No, no, no. Um, that's 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 very much like, that's, that's it's a little sort of counterintuitive to be like, you should try a little less. But Texas, like Texas played their balls off. I don't. And can I tell you, the Texas Road contingent at the Coliseum, much respect. They did that thing where they, like, clapped for their young team afterwards. They were, 
in the game. They were exactly what you think a bunch of like yahoos from Texas. There were some people who were there were some people who did Texas wear right, and then there were some people who just did pure Texas cosplay. Like there was a guy in chaps there, right? Chaps bandana cowboy hat whole thing in the middle of the game that's a cop that's a cop dressed (laughs) up like a there was a guy dressed up like a cow there was a guy on a horse there was a guy robbing a train (laughs) i told you there was a there was a guy tried to tied to a railroad track it was weird there was there was a guy out there complaining about immigrants yeah it was like super texas Oh, hello, listener. It's your least favorite voice on the Shutdown Fullcast. Ryan Annie here reminding you that we're raising money for the victims of Harvey and Irma. You can go to Every Day Should Be Saturday to find out exactly where your money should go if you want to get a read on this podcast. We're going to start doing those next week. They will be just as stupid and meandering and a waste of everyone's time as our regular ad reads. So get excited about that. Go give money. We're collecting money through the end of September. But why wait? Time is a lie. Life a mystery. What else have we missed? I mean, listen, Vanderbilt scored the biggest win of the weekend. We all know that. 14-7 over Kansas State. A lot of people were tweeting at um, Spencer and I during the Tennessee-Florida game being like, oh, you know, this is the real El Asico. Need to transfer the title. Friend, Wait till the Florida Vanderbilt game. That that I'm willing to concede the possibility for that. Tennessee mm. Florida has too much like zaniness, unintentional. It's sort of you know watching. It's like Chevy Chase trying to fuck himself. Um, mm. Vanderbilt that. Vanderbilt Florida. <laughs> that will be Chevy Chase trying to fuck himself in a molasses swamp. Yeah, I would also like to shout out Gary Patterson of TCU for. Um, and taking the Iron Skillet, deeply underrated rivalry trophy, and beating T- beating SMU fifty six to thirty six. TCU coach Gary Patterson uh, angry because um, he feels like they should have scored eighty. At one point, <laughs> at one point, it kind of looked like they were going to need to. So, yeah, I just I I enjoy someone who's mad that they only scored fifty six. They, I mean, they got off to a slow start in this game. Virginia Tech got off to a slow start against a bad ECU team, and they both won comfortably. It's fine. Don't overreact. You're fine, Gary. Just chill. Also, I'm happy to report that um, we're probably going to get, like, a top 15 Washington State team against USC in uh, two weeks on a Friday. On a Friday mm, um, is in that Pullman. In, in Pullman, that's what I was going to say. After USC plays, I'm squinting, but ah, whatever. USC doesn't have a bye week, so I'm sure I'm sure they'll be tired. USC plays Cal, which at the beginning of the season we're just like ah, just Cal. Um, Cal is three and zero, and might have a defense as am i reading this right is that true yeah that's that's what, that's what the numbers suggest yeah because they um they just need to see a little bit of you because shea patterson got off to a massive start for old miss and that all just ground to a halt real fast once they figured out what old miss was doing old miss had one move and it was like is that all you got and old miss was like yeah that's that's actually all we have <laughs> that's the one that's, that's, that's the, it yeah it's just yoga fire that's i just yoga fire that's the only move i learned is that cool? Yeah. 
That's all we got. Avoid. What what team is nothing but Yoga Flame? The like the one that doesn't move anywhere. Yoga Flame. Um, I guess that's Wisconsin. Just it, if it hits you, it's your own fault. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just calling Wisconsin for the rest of the season. I'm calling Wisconsin Fat Kid. That's it. They're like, man, don't let Fat Kid do that to you. Like it's super dangerous, and you can't win without going near it. But <laughs> my personal favorite thing that I saw all day Saturday was James Franklin <laughs> calling a timeout up it's 56 to nothing last play of the game against Georgia State. Um, he later explained this with, well, we had our f- fourth team <laughs> special teams out there, and they d- literally didn't know how to line up, which, like, even that begs the question of, like, why was it super important that they line up? <laughs> this thing could do what like is Georgia State gonna fake it? But I just that 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 was just very, very good. I a think, lot of people perceive that as savage ruthlessness. And like it I mean it kinda is, even if you have a gameplay reason for it, it's still like that's that's just sadistic, man. Like all I, you cared about was um properly defending <laughs> Georgia State's sad field goal. I have so much respect for that move. I um I did want to go ahead and just give you the thing that I enjoyed most, which was um, deep within the recesses of Ole Miss Cal, a game which will be forgotten, probably should be forgotten, left in the midst of time. There will be an image that archived forever on the internet taken by Nick Pants, who does some work for, for SB Nation, and screen capture of an Ole Miss fan. Two of them, actually, because I think the contrast is necessary. One old Miss fan, intense, watching the game, bent over in that Urban Meyer position with his hands on his knees, right? And and clearly very concerned with, with how everything is going to go. And then another looking down with his vape pen in hand, blowing the biggest goddamn cloud buster <laughs> I have ever seen in my life. Just letting it, just letting it fly. Like, man, them rebels. Rebel, it was rebels. the timing of it too, because it came right after uh, Ole Miss gave up a touchdown or a long gain or something like that. It was, you know, it was like a, it was like an immediate response. It was like what you want to see from a winner when they score. You want to swing right back. <laughs> can we, can we take that, and can we Photoshop it next to? The pit fans who fell asleep at the pit game. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, if you stayed for the whole game, you got a beverage. You got a diet cola. You got, you got a, a diet. Got an unsweet tea. They just give you. They just give you a cup of a cup of ketchup. It's just, like, it's just French fries on ice. What is yeah. this? I'll take. I'll, I'll take a. I'll take a tab of that. Oh, it's ketchup. a pit. Oh, it's a Pittsburgh Sprite. <laughs> it's a blurdy murrow. Go Punthers. <laughs>